Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Sample Hour. This is part two with the Duke of Permaculture, Mr. Paul Wheaton. Um, so on this episode, the audio quality starts out a lot better. Um, I just kind of cut the show, the the recording in half. Uh, I talked to Paul. We're definitely going to do some more episodes in the future. Um, so that's great news. Um, on this episode, Paul... Um, in a way that only Paul can do. Uh, he gets excited explaining something, and Skype decides that he's a little too loud, and then it kind of mutes him. So there's a part where Paul gets starts to get really loud, and then um, and then like I tried to turn up the recording level, but I could never adjust the level. So anyways, everybody, thanks again for listening. Please go to iTunes and... Um, rate review and subscribe so um some other just some other business going on so i am going to move the podcast over to podcast blast off so my website was kind of a beta for podcast blast off and uh, i spoke with nathan and the other guys so there's going to be a brief period where the website's going to be down so be aware of that however i decided that i'm just going to use the old talk talk shoe RSS feed as a backup. So um, if for any reason, you know, not that, you know, all the back episodes are on there, but I think for the new um, the new website, I'm just going to upload select episodes to this RSS feed. But everything could still be found over at TalkShoe. Um, also another announcement. So the official first show for Corner Comedy Club in Toronto is going to be Miss Pat. It's going to be the first weekend of September. Uh, the poster was actually tweeted out today. So Miss Pat will be at the Underground Comedy Club. Uh, it's another High on Trees show. Um, we're going to be, so if you go to highontrees.com, you can get some more information. But Miss Pat will be there um, at 670 Queen Street, East Toronto, 9 p.m. September 3rd, 2015. Um, you can get the tickets at brownpapertickets.com um, or just call the club, area code 416-450-9125. Uh, special thanks again to Aft Bar, best barbecue in the world, and Bill Hicks Bar, Spoiled Smokers Collective, all my brethren, my brothers and sisters from Toronto. Anyways, guys, uh, on this episode of The Sample Hour with Paul Wheaton, just shift gears and focus on the task at hand. Paul and I dig a lot deeper into um, what permaculture is. Uh, we also go over, I really kind of took advantage of having Paul on the show and asked him about my situation with my gardens. So just kind of some strategies for the backyard with all the blacktop out in the backyard. And uh, I'll also get Paul to talk about how, why he hates lasagna garden beds so much so which is pretty entertaining um we also talked a little bit about seth Holpzer. but anyways just continue listening to the show everybody thanks again for listening please rate review and subscribe
the PDCs and everything, it's, I think it's like, I've kind of looked at it like martial arts, like in the sense that you got this black belt from this master. And I think it's really kind of a similar thing. Um, now, did you get, now who, did you get your permaculture design certification from SEP or? Oh, oh no, SEP doesn't do PDCs. Basically, it's like uh, Bill Mollison, the guy who made up the word permaculture, he like he he was like out at Sepp's place, and and Bill Mollison he says, "Hey, this is permaculture." And Sepp's like, "Ooh, I like that word," because before I heard the word, what I called my stuff was a full farm ecosystem, where systems feed systems feed systems. Yeah, and and uh, permaculture is so much easier to say, and even more than that. When you look at the books and stuff, there's so much that's like, wow, yeah, that, that is like what I'm totally apeshit about. Yes. <laughs> so does, does that help? I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I mean because you studied Bill Mollison, it. We call him the king because he made it up. He's the dude. He's the man who defines what permaculture is because he made the word up and stuff right yeah now he's like old and stuff <laughs> and and so then he has clearly made his choice that he, he you know the next guy is jeff lawton but technically permaculture is like it's a free-for-all anybody it's designed in such a way that, it, that no one's really in charge that's that's part of it however yeah bill mollison has made it clear jeff lawton is going to be his successor yeah Good choice. Jeff Lawton, very sharp guy, doing epic shit, awesome guy. Is good, good choice. And and so then we call I call Jeff the crown prince because, you know, he's been selected. When Bill dies, then Jeff will be king. You know, so he's currently the crown prince. Yeah, and I mean for anybody that's not familiar with Jeff, um, just Google search greening the desert. I mean, Jeff's done some some really cool shit. He's got great videos. Um, you can watch for free at his website. All you have to do is subscribe with your email, which is totally worth it. He doesn't send you bullshit or anything like that. Um, but uh, in it, yeah, in your in your video series you did with him, that was a great interview with how he approaches, you know, doing his permaculture stuff. Um, just oh yeah, I thought I thought that was like uh, aside from like all the like funny shit and like listen to you talk about um, your hatred of lasagna beds. And cardboard, <laughs> um, uh, you know, I it that was really interesting. Um, it was a great interview, and I think you know Jeff. Um, and it, it was it was cool to hear. I, I don't know. I, I just I, I just thought it was a great interview, and people should buy your DVD series so they can hear it. Um, but um, shifting gears, you know, I, I do want to ask you some stuff. Um, pick your brain about because uh, I want you to talk about what's going on at Wheaton Labs here. And, uh, but you know, on the topic of you hating lasagna beds, um, uh, we had personally like, um, because Google culture is, I feel like lasagna bed is kind of like a similar concept, but it's like a failed concept in a sense, based on the way you described it. So you can, can you kind of elaborate more on like your, your disliking of that? Why you don't like people that, why you think it's a bad idea to use cardboard, which is really popular in permaculture and well, I can't say in permaculture, but a lot of people do it and say this yeah. is permaculture and newspapers as well. Because I watched um, 
the uh, Back to Eden documentary, and I watched, and that that was kind of interesting too because the guy that's featuring that documentary said those people weren't even connected to me that are like laying the newspaper and all that stuff. And uh, he said, they just came out here and interviewed me because he doesn't even really even use wood chips anymore. Cause he can't walk. Um, but anyways, keep just before, if you don't, if you want to elaborate, Paul, sorry about that. All right. So lasagna, so let's say you've got like no topsoil at all. Like, you know, where you live is a bunch of gravel. Then um, yeah, you're not going to grow a garden, man. It's like, Oh, Boy, unless you import something or do something to make a place where you could plant seeds. And that's basically what happened to me with my very first garden. I mean, my, my topsoil was about a half an inch thick. There wasn't enough topsoil to grow anything. Only I didn't, I didn't know that then. But so like, let's say you're someplace where it's just gravel. It's like, okay, well, you got to put something there for your growies to grow in. And so one path would be lasagna garden. And then lasagna gardening is where you'll lay down layers of stuff. It's like, okay, I want to lay down some cardboard. And then I'm going to put some hay on that. And then I'm going to put down a layer of some soil that I got from someplace. And then I'm going to put down a layer of something, you know, layer, 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 layer. And then there's different lasagna gardens that have different recipes uh, for how to, what layers to lay down. Then you end up with something that might be a foot and a half thick. Yeah. And then you start planting stuff in that. Well, that is indeed about 500 times better than trying to grow stuff in gravel. Yeah. But just because it's 500 times better doesn't mean that there's something out there that's five, I want to say 50,000 times better or, or, you know, 100 times better than a lasagna garden. Yeah, and, and real quick, just to pick your brain, because I kind of been running into this with my, my backyard. So I moved into a house that was like an abandoned house for like seven years. My friend bought it, uh, fixed it up, and I'm renting it now. And it's like in the it's, – it's in like a rougher area of Columbus, which Columbus is pretty nice. But my half my yard, my backyard is like blacktop that I think they had a basketball court at one time or, or something – and so I, I want to expand it, but it's like, should I just bite the bullet and do all the work and tear up the, the old blacktop? Or should I just try to cover it with cardboard and all these layers? Like, what are your thoughts on that? I guess because it's like a specific example. <coughs> all right. Well, I, I think that one of the, I mean, each of us functions a different way in accomplishing stuff. But I would say that if I were there, I mean, first of all, it's extremely frustrating to want to grow oodles of stuff. And it's like, okay, and this is all you got. Yeah. This is this is what you can work with. You don't have any other choices. And it's like, okay, you got to make the best of it. Um, part of me is like, okay, what does the guy that owns a place, is he cool with tearing up the blacktop? Yeah, he pretty much said, do whatever you want to do. And then even if he's cool with it, it's like, okay, B – it's a lot of work, man, yeah. and I'm really lazy. <laughs> That's huge work. Okay, C. Um, what's under the blacktop? Is it worse than the blacktop? Yeah. So um, part of me is kind of thinking like, you get a little soil on top of the blacktop, there's, there's some stuff that will totally eat through the blacktop and just rip it up. 
Um, I mean, I'm sure you've been to places where it's like, oh, there's blacktop, but it's all beat to shit because this tree was here and the roots kind of went. Yeah. And so, you know, hey, uh, the tree did the work for me. Uh, and so there's that kind of thing. And another thing is, is like, okay, like, let's say you grow groys on top of the blacktop. That's some toxic gick right there. Do you want to eat food that, you know, went and, and rubbed bellies with toxic gick? Yeah, it, exactly. That's, that's like my biggest concern. And it was like, well, if I put enough layers of topsoil or, or layers of, of organic material, how far, how high do I have to go? Because on my public lot too, I'm sure I haven't tested it yet, but I'm going to, but I'm sure that I have to do layers to avoid where, cause it used to be a house. And so, and I'm sure they just filled in this basement with topsoil. So again, that's also, so most of my food I'm planning on putting a, not around there, but where the actual hugel culture bed is that I'm building, it's like, man, I, you know, if I build enough layers from this hugel culture bed, I'm, I'm assuming this food is still going to be okay. Like what, um, I guess it's, it's, it's kind of like, uh, uh, am I playing with fire here? That sort of thought or thinking. Well, so then that leads to how I I bought this property. <clears throat> I wanted to find a property that was just utterly infested with weeds because that means that the property's not packed with herbicides. And and I wanted I wanted something that was better, 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 better. And and so here you are, you're talking about the exact thing that I really wanted to get away from because it's like no matter what you do, it's going to be it's going to be suck. Now, <laughs> I, I mean, you're just trading. You know, you you have your choice between seriously sucky or sucky or only a little bit sucky, but it took a fuck ton of work. Yeah, and and it's like okay. I'm I'm really obsessed with I want to I want to have a quality of food that that would make that's so good that Whole Foods would be embarrassed to sell the food that they're selling now. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's like the you know the best food that they have to offer they would be embarrassed by that. And so and I've got it in my head of like quality of food that's beyond anything that the the most the, the, the most knowledgeable person in Whole Foods has ever thought of. And, and, but that's my own crazy, my own personal obsessions and stuff like that. So, but if I was like in a prison, which is your home <laughs> and suffering there and it's like, okay, but I gotta still do better. I gotta, I gotta grow stuff and I gotta grow stuff to my standards or at least as close to my standards as I can get. I, I think I would probably get a, uh, an excavator in there and rip out that asphalt and haul it to the dump, and and then um, and, and then just embrace that the soil or the dirt that's underneath the asphalt is just toxic, and it's like you know now I'm going to debate about whether I want to like haul that away the dump for thousands of dollars and then go find a field somewhere that's riddled with weeds and then bring in topsoil and then have that fresh start. But it's like, 
we're now talking about, you know, we're we're going we're going to go past ten thousand dollars already. Yeah. You know, and it's probably not a very big patch. No, and I don't even think an know? excavator would fit in between the houses. Like I'm in old school World War Two, post World War Two stacked houses. I mean. My truck barely fits in between the two houses. Well, there are many excavators. Oh, that is true. That is true. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. You know, yeah. And uh, but the thing is, is that they've got a very powerful bucket that will pull that stuff up. And um, all right, so there's that path, and another possible path is like what you're already thinking about building something on top of the asphalt. Yeah, and and it's like. Uh, you know, and there's, it's it's a it's a bond, it's a decision that you have to make, and I am just so grateful that I don't have to make this decision because, <laughs> because yeah, it's going to be a decision between suck and suck light, you know, good luck. <laughs> uh, I it, it, I hate I hate the idea of having that decision. Now the next thing is is that I would think, okay, you know what, we can do some remediation here. There's toxic gick, and there's things that will break down toxic gick, and and it's going to be certain kinds of plants and mostly funguses. Yeah, that that are like. But then the thing is, is like your asphalt has got some shit in it that the mushrooms can't break down, and and it's like so. And then, it, but what part of what it'll do is it'll suck it up into the mushroom. So then the next thing is, is don't eat that. It, it's it says right on the package it's edible and delicious and you could even bite it whole foods but don't because all the gross stuff that was in the asphalt it like sucked it up and now it's concentrated inside the mushroom it's like to get away from it you got to throw it away you got to move all your toxic gick out you know absolutely or or feed it to people you don't like look <laughs> 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 i picked you some mushrooms <laughs> This would be forty dollars of mushrooms at the Whole Foods. <laughs> it's my gift to you. Uh, I'm uh, making peace here. Yeah, give it to my <laughs> annoying neighbors. No, I'm just teasing. Um, yeah, so that, so I guess like that. That's kind of you know. I think that's probably. So I mean, so so to get kind of back on the topic with lasagna beds, um, you know, that's that would be the. Um, so that's probably do you think that's probably how they gain popularity is because of bad decisions like I have to make or hard bad decisions I I think that if you're going to look at, you know, gravel or lasagna garden, I did mention lasagna gardens about 500 times better. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, if you don't know about hugel culture, especially you don't know about cuz too often people make the mistake of like, I'm going to make hugel culture and I'm going to make it just like a lasagna garden. You know, there's people that do that, but um, uh, I think that there's if, if that's all you know, if that's the whole list you got, like I'm going to run a rototiller on my gravel, then I'm going to plant <laughs> corn. You know, it's like there's people that are going to try and do that too. Yeah. Um, uh, so it's like there is something to be said for the lasagna garden. It's better than you know gravel. Um, now I, I think that uh, uh, there's some. Okay, let's talk about what sucks about lasagna gardens. I mean, yeah. let's just say, five hundred times better than gravel, and it's going to be five times better than some of the other gardening techniques that people use out there. 
Um, but you know, let's 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 talk about where I believe lasagna gardens come up short. Then the first one's going to be the cardboard and the newspapers. And it's like they'll put down cardboard and newspapers as their first layer under the lasagna gardens um, because a lot of times there's grass. It's a grassy spot and there's grass growing there and they want to smother the grass. So um, they'll, they'll put that and it, it works. It smothers the grass. A um, couple of problems. Uh, the, the newspaper, they're, they're thinking that cardboard of the newspaper will universally break down. It does not. Um, and sometimes it breaks down. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you've got good soil. The grass was growing really good there because there's good soil right there. Um, and your growies in your lasagna garden never get to that good soil because they hit this barrier that is your cardboard newspaper that never broke down. Um, and then I've had people tell me as I'm presenting, like, that's bullshit. It always breaks down. And it's like, okay, then I got to tell the story about one time I'm in the Seattle area. In fact, in the Seattle area, there's the area that gets like 30 inches of rain, and then there's the area that gets like 60 inches of rain. So it's like, you know, damp and downright swampy. And so I'm in the downright swampy zone, and this gal is like, I don't know why my apple tree is so sick. And it's like, well, let's get out a shovel and take a look. Because I'm, I'm looking at it, I'm thinking it's the roots. It's systemic. And there's nothing growing around the tree either. And so then I, I dig and I find a layer of newspapers. And she says, oh, right. I remember putting those down five years ago. And it was going to, you know, it was going to smother the weeds. And so then nothing will be competing with the apple tree. And it would all break down. I mean, she's in this swamp. I mean, mushrooms grow on everything there. You're just not stopping it. It's like constant compost of everything. But. I'm looking at this newspaper because we found the newspaper. We're looking. I can still read the articles on the newspaper. Hmm. So the newspaper did not break down. And, and it's like uh, uh, it, instead what it did was it became an impenetrable layer. I mean it was killing the apple tree. It's uh, uh, water and air were not passing through it. So instead of – <clears throat> it breaking down and and it smothered those weeds and stuff like that. And then, and then I was feeding the soil, which is part of what they say it'll do. Um, instead, it was suffocating the tree and keeping water away from the tree. And so it was doing the opposite of what they wanted. Now, okay, so there's there's that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just getting warmed up about why I don't like newspaper and cardboard. But the next thing is, is like, okay, how do you make paper? And, and there's, there's generally two approaches for newspaper and cardboard. One is the old school way in that you take all your wood chips and you mix in some water and you go smashy, smashy, smashy. You've got a, a mechanical thing that kind of smashes stuff. And then the lignans kind of start to come out of the wood and that makes paper. You smash it and smash it enough with water Eventually, it kind of becomes this gluey pulp, and, and then you can make it into, like, paper shapes. And ta-da, paper! Um, <clears throat> but it turns out that that kind of takes time, and it costs money. And what's better is if you can take a bunch of chemicals and dump that in there, and, and now it goes faster. Yeah. And, and it's like, uh, uh, they, they, you know, 
most so most newspapers and cardboard, they went the chemical path. And then, of course, the chemicals turned out to have some toxins in it and stuff like that. But but hey, who's going to know? Who's going to make a big deal about that? Then, okay, so now we've got the part where we've got the papery parts that we've made. But then, you know, cardboard is where we take layers and layers of paper and we glue them together. And then you got the little corrugated part where you kind of glue that into kind of <coughs> little wavy shapes inside layers of glued paper. And, and that's where cardboard comes from. It's like, well, what do they make the glue out of? Well, uh, 93% of it is cornstarch. And you're kind of thinking to yourself, cornstarch? I eat that for breakfast every morning. That's got to be good for you. Well, we could talk about, you know, how good it is for you or not. But, you know, let's just, we're going to say that's GMO cornstarch. And then people are be like, oh, there's nothing wrong with GMOs. Okay, fuck that shit. I, I, I just want to say there's everything wrong with GMOs, but, you know, okay, you can have your opinion on that. We set that aside. And uh, uh, all right. So, so let's say it's, let's say it's organic corn starch. Woo, organic, but that's only 93%. What's the other 7%? And it's like, oh, well, we change the recipe for that every week, depending on our moods. And, uh, you know, the, whether or not the regulators are chasing after us. And depending on cost of the chemicals. And, what, and there's going to be cost of the chemicals. There's going to be, like, uh, what kind of cardboard do we want to make this week? Yeah. Um, and, I mean, it gets really complicated really fast, and it varies a lot. But, you know, do you think they give a shit about whether or not it's good for you to use in your garden? No. No. So, I mean – you know, then you got to ask yourself, okay, let's take the let's take those that seven percent of the gluey bits. Let's also take the chemicals that they used in order to be able to bring the lignans out of the wood, and um, and let's put those two in a bowl. And let's say, okay, you got one tomato plant that you're growing without it, and you got this other tomato plant. And now let's just pour these bowls out around the tomato plant, so that tomato plant's taking that up. Now, tomatoes are ready. Which tomatoes do you want? Yeah, I, I don't want the tomatoes that could possibly have chemicals. And and let's remember the cancer fairy is just sitting looking over the <laughs> fence, waiting to see which one you take. You know, and uh, because we, because that's how the cancer fairy really works. You know, it seems like the cancer fairy is totally random, but it turns out the cancer fairy has a plan. Yeah, I um, I, I definitely don't want those. So I, I think. Uh... I, I don't want to mess with the cancer fairy. That's for sure. <laughs> that bitch. All right. So cardboard and newspaper. That We talk about lasagna gardening. That's layer one. And, and it's like, uh, okay, now let, let's get into something that's a little bit – I think that one's pretty easy for people to wrap their minds around. But still, I mean, out of the world of permaculture, Bill Mollison uses cardboard and newspaper – Sepp Holter, the mighty, the glorious, the amazing Sepp Holter, uses cardboard and newspaper. Jeff Lawton uses cardboard and newspaper. The, a lot of the bigs use cardboard and newspaper. I'm one of the very few that's like, I don't want to yeah. keep, it, keep it out of my horticultural stuff. Yeah. And so I'm, a, I'm the weirdo in that space, and I'm totally cool with being the weirdo in that space. <clears throat> I mean, it kind of seems like I'm being outvoted, so I must be wrong. And I'm cool with that. But I, the, the neat thing is, is that on my place, I get to do it my way. And, and so that's the way I choose to do it, is without the cardboard and newspaper. 
Absolutely. And and transitioning because we are uh we got about twenty minutes left. So I and I want you to be able to talk about Wheaton Labs. And hopefully, uh. Paul, I can get more of your time in the future because I've had so much fun talking to you today. Um what uh so Wheaton Labs. So Wheaton Labs, listen, anybody who's listening now, after this, please subscribe to Paul's podcast. It's just Permaculture and Homesteading with Paul Wheaton is pretty much what I think it is on iTunes. If you just look him up on iTunes, you can you can listen. He's got a lot of episodes for free on there. I would go to his website and buy his back episodes. Um, I haven't quite dove into them yet, but people need to. So Wheaton we, Labs. We tried to put all the episodes up on iTunes, but for some reason it'll only show the most recent 40. That's really and- weird. Uh, so I haven't been able to figure it out. And after after putting way too much time and money into trying to figure it out, I was like, fuck it. So <laughs> so now we just put them all, all the rest of them are all in the, like, uh, we, we, we made zip files that contain 40 at a time. And there's like 300 or so. And we put them out at scubbly.com and, and people can buy it. It's like we make all of them available for free, but you got to go through all the, stuff and it's like oh for a convenience here they are as zip files yeah and and man oh just i just love scubbly.com that's just the way (laughs) but but all right all right you want to i was going to tell you more about how what bothers me about um the lasagna gardens but you want to talk about wheaton labs (laughs) which is cool i i I do i want to talk to you about both but i'm just like man i'm right i do run out of time yeah i understand i understand okay so I have 300 acres and you don't. Neener, neener. <laughs> That's step one. And I can name it whatever the fuck I want. And, uh, and it's one of those things where it's like you, you, you kind of get the feel for what you're doing. And, the, and it's like and after about a year, I decided to go with Wheaton Labs. And it's kind of like a tip of the hat to Bill Nye, the science guy, who I know I've heard some people don't like him. But I, I loved his shows as a kid. Yeah. How fun. And and so he had Nye Laboratories, and so I came up with Wheaton Laboratories as a kind of a tip of the hat. And so then our very first experiment is like I'm bonkers about this technology called rocket mass heaters. And so I've got a bunch of DVDs out about rocket mass heaters. Um, and so basically with a rocket mass heater, you can heat your home um, with at a fraction of the cost, like generally about – one-tenth to one-one-hundredth the cost of any other form of heat. And so most people use natural gas. Rocket mass heater uh, will heat your home at about a tenth of the cost, maybe a fiftieth of the cost compared to natural gas. And uh, it'll also put out like, I think it's like 4% of the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere that natural gas will put out. Um, <clears throat> and so all the forms of heat that more, most people use, and of course – when you look at the world's problems, uh, um, a lot of it, most of the world's problems comes back to energy. And more than half of the energy usage of the home in the United States is for heat. And so it's like if we're going to solve the world's problems, heat is a great place to start. And so these, these rocket mass heaters are the shit. And, and so in order to help prove to people how good they are and how they work, we did an experiment here. So we put up a teepee, which is basically nothing more than a tent, right? Mm. But it's a teepee. So we put up a standard teepee and we built a rocket mass heater inside of it. 
And then we had a couple live here in Montana through the winter in that teepee with the idea of being that when spring rolled around, we could ask them the, the important question of, so, uh, how'd it go? Oh, comfy? And as luck should have it, on this particular winter, it was, a, it was an especially cold and brutal, bitter winter. And uh, on one night, it got to be 26 below zero Fahrenheit. Wow. And that's and not so, even with wind chill. That's just, right. that's just temperature. Right. And so, um, and then I, I asked the couple, you know, how, how did it go? And, um, and so basically the fire goes out at uh, uh, nine o'clock at night. The fire's out and they're warm and comfy and they get into bed and they sleep through the night. They get up in the morning, they take off their night clothes and they put on their day clothes and then they step outside and damn, it's cold. Fuck, fuck, it's cold. Shit. And while they're standing in this uninsulated and yeah, it's cool in there, but it's not cold. Um, and and they're able to get, you know, change their clothes and get dressed and go about their day and everything. And it's not until they get outside they realize how cold it is outside. So I asked them, so like how cold did it feel inside if you had to guess? Because a thermometer is no good in this situation because we're using a different, I mean, there's, there's three kinds of heat. There's um, uh, convective heat, which is where you heat the air and the air heats you. This is the least efficient form of heat. And this is what a thermometer will measure. And, and so it's like, but that's not what we're using. Then there's radiant heat. And that's kind of like the sun. Like you see the sun, you can feel it warm your face. And then if you turn around and your back is to the sun, you don't feel the sun warming your face anymore. <laughs> that's that's radiant heat. You have to have line of sight with the heat source. Yeah. Okay. And that's a pretty efficient form of heat. And then the, the most efficient form of heat is conductive heat. And that's what we're using. Conductive heat is where you touch something that's warm and it warms you. And yeah. you feel the warmth and the warm enters you and it warms you. So that's that's what we are dominantly using here. And so... Um, they said that when they got up and they changed their clothes, that they felt like it may have been like 55. So it was cool inside, but not cold. But that's comfortable though. I mean, it, that's, well, I mean, if you're going to change your clothes, like if you're warm and toasty and then you're going to change your clothes and the temperature in the room is 55, it's like, yeah, you, you're not going to, you're not going to hang around. You're not going to spend half an hour changing your clothes. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna change your clothes, you know, in a, in a few minutes, and and then you know, which is all that they did, and they were like, oh yeah, you know, and then they changed, but then when they got outside, I mean, when it's 26 below, you feel that no matter how, because that hits your face, and, and it's it's brutal, and I, it, the air goes into your nostrils, and you can feel your, you freeze your nose hairs. It's the worst in the up. world. You hear the crackle in your nose as it's like ah. Yeah, it gets cold here, but it doesn't get negative 26. Like, we'll have wind chill that will get that low, but not actual air temperature. Like, I mean, I, I zero, 
zero is awful. I think once once I breathe in and my nose hairs freeze, and it's like my nostrils freeze shut from breathing, that's that is very uncomfortable. So I I can only imagine what negative twenty six is like. So yeah, negative twenty six is uh, pretty fucking cold. And, <laughs> um, and so, but the, you know, I think that the experiment, so Wheaton Laboratories. Uh, the experiment was a massive success. <clears throat> now we've got probably 50 experiments going on right now, and uh, um, I think that the the one that's the, probably the most important for this upcoming winter is the Wafati, and that's where we've uh, got a building <clears throat> that we built on the cheap, uh, and it looks like a log cabin on the inside with lots of glass, and on the outside it's nearly invisible, um, and then. The big, the big feature of it is the annualized thermal inertia. <clears throat> and the key with the annualized thermal inertia is, is that we're trying to use the heat from the summer to heat the building through the winter. Wow. So when we talk about you know, comparing a rocket mass heater to natural gas heat and how much the energy savings are there, imagine if we could take our carbon dioxide emissions down to – utterly zero and and you take your you know all your pollution down for for heat down to utterly zero all of your energy consumption to utterly zero everything's down to utterly zero and you're perfectly comfortable um and so that's what we're looking at this is not a passive solar thing this is yeah we're we're trying to, to store the heat from the summer in just thermal mass just hundreds and hundreds of tons of thermal mass. And uh, at the same time, we want to be able to create a, a building design, a natural building design that you can, like if you were to build a conventional home and it cost $100,000, if you were to try to build that with straw bale, that would be $130,000. And if you're trying to build it with cob, that would be $200,000. But we're trying to come up with something where you can build a home and it's half, so $50,000. So something that's more affordable to people while at the same time less toxic and you've eliminated the need for heat in the wintertime in Montana. But, you know, and one of the things we've noticed is like this year, earlier this year, we had a heat wave over, you know, in the hundreds every day. And everybody went to the Wafatis <laughs> because as it charges its its thermal mass uh, with the summer heat, it's it's like sucking the heat out of the room, and yeah. and it makes the room cool. And so it's like a hundred over hundred degrees outside, and you go inside of these things, and it's like seventy five. Yeah. So it's like effectively in very hot climates, it could be used in a way, as a replacement for air conditioning. Yeah, absolutely. And then, so to heat it, because I know you said your brother Tim and his family lives in one of the Wafatis, and they his wife seriously thinks comfortable temperature is 90 degrees. So yeah. did, I, I haven't gotten to the point, had, did, your, did your brother not have to cut down half the forest to heat with a rocket mass heater in the Wafati? Oh yeah, he switched to the rocket mass heater, and uh, in the in the so so the Wafati that he was in uh, last winter, um, uh, that one wasn't even finished yet. That one didn't even have the umbrella on it yet. 
but you know, it got late enough in the year and other projects came up. And, and so it's like, all right. So, so basically he's living in a log structure, no annualized thermal inertia. So it's just a log structure. That's not even insulated. <coughs> and, um, uh, he was saying that he used about one-fifth to one-tenth the wood of what he was using before. Wow. So um, uh, it, it kind of shows the, the big savings that come with uh, a rocket mass heater. Absolutely. And then some other things you have going on, which I wish we could spend more time talking about. And Paul, if you, if you, I know you're super busy, so I really appreciate your time you gave me today. But in the future... If I could have you on again, that would be great. But um, you have this cool gapper and ant program <laughs> that I want yeah. you to be able to talk about. Um, we got a few minutes left. so Okay. So what we did, so let's talk about the, the – I mean the gapper program is where somebody pays 100 bucks and um, they're here. They can be here for an hour or they can be here for months. Um, you know. And, and there's all kinds of projects going on that can be involved in the projects. And so we've got people that are like keen on that and stuff. But, you know, really the, the exciting thing I think right now is the, is the Ant Village program. And so we currently have five ants and um, uh, we've got like several more people that are all saying that they're going to be in the Ant program soon. It's like fine when, when you've done it. So they pay $800 and then they get to have an acre of land. Um, from now through the end of next year. Um, so when we originally announced it, they would get 20 months for $800. And it's, a, it's raw land. And uh, it's like, okay, you need to – and for a lot of people, it's like you know, they're, they're, they wonder, can I do this? And for some people, it's like I'm fucking sick of living in this pollution world. I want to go to where there's not pollution and live there. But everybody's got their own story as to why they're doing this. And um, so you get here, you got raw land. You need to build something that you can live in through the winter before the snow flies. You need to plant a fuck ton of food. And you're going to need to also build a fence to keep the deer and the wild turkeys from eating all your food. Um, and, and then you're set. Now, on September 10th of... 2016, we will do the judging for the Ant Village Challenge. And so one of the ants will then be awarded with basically lifetime free rent. That's awesome. So, uh, and basically we call it Ant Village because it's from Aesop's Fables, the ant and the grasshopper. Everybody believes they're an ant until they're put to the test. And then you find out if they're an ant or a grasshopper. Plus, the other way of looking at it is, is that with permaculture techniques, you're an ant for the first year, so you can be a grasshopper the rest of your life. Absolutely. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, well, that's awesome. Um, well, you know, wrapping up here, uh, people, if, if you're listening to this, you liked what Paul says, go to richsoil.com. That's a great source. He's got um, – you want to talk about your website real quick, Paul? Oh, boy. Uh, so, I, so that's where I started writing my articles. And then later it was my podcast went there. And then um, uh, my videos I, you know, were kind of tied into a bunch of my articles there. Uh, and that's where the forum started. But then eventually I got the idea of like I needed to 
I created permies.com for the forums because then I can have a place where I will try to be nice and build community. <laughs> and at Rich Soil, I can be myself and I can say whatever the fuck I want. And so um, uh, the, I felt a powerful need to have community and have people talking about permaculture in the way I think is a good and healthy way of talking about stuff. Well, at the same time, I still needed a place where I could go and say what I need to say and, you know, I can do whatever the fuck I want. But all right, uh, you're probably more interested in like what's there. <laughs> so I've got my article on cast iron. I, I think it's the number one article on cast iron in the world. I think that's the one that most people go to. Uh, diatomaceous earth, um, uh, flea control, because um, uh, there's so many toxins that people will jump to when they fear fleas. And I wanted to reduce the, the toxins. Um, so, uh, oh, and there's an article about Sepp Holzer. Um, and, and then there's, uh, I'm trying to think, man, there's just a bunch of little articles on lots. Of, the lawn care article is there. That was the first article. Um, and then at permies.com, I mean, rich soil, those articles are get a lot of traffic because I, oh, the chickens article at rich soil. Um, a lot of people find that to be very profound. I've got some very obnoxious thoughts in raising chickens um, <laughs> that most people that raise chickens don't agree with. But then, then over at permies.com, this is the enormous site now. This is I, I had this very particular recipe for community, and it just got enormous. And so there are, I think we've got like 120 forums now at permies.com. There's a bunch. I mean, there's so many threads. And what I hear is, is that people will search for weird things and they keep ending up at the Permies forums and then they just start to read all the other things. And then there goes like months of their life <laughs> um, as they spend like every spare moment they have reading the next thread at Permies. And, and there is something to be said too about permaculture. It's like a lot of the things seem interesting to people. And and then after like a few months of studying permaculture, one day there's a big click. Like it's almost audible. But suddenly the way that you see everything in the world is – I want to use the word backwards. Everything works backwards of what you were taught. And And it's like, wow. And now you can't help but live the permaculture way the rest of your life. You can't stop it. It's the way you will see everything now is the permaculture way. Absolutely. And and this has ended up in divorce for most people. <laughs> because for one person it'll click and the other person they don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And um and to help with this, that's why I came up with the playing cards. I don't know if you have you seen the playing cards? I need to buy a set. Um I I've I haven't seen them in my hand. I know that they're available. I just need to buy I just need to buy them. We're almost out. Well, They're almost all gone. I better buy them soon then. But the idea was is that with the playing cards, it helps to make permaculture people look less crazy. So it's like you know we, we developed them in time for Christmas that people could do as stocking stuffers or gifts or whatever. And you meet your gift-giving obligations and at the same time infect brains with permaculture. And it's like – because a lot of people like their family thinks that you've finally got off the deep end and you're crazy. And it's like, okay, family, here you go. I'm giving you each a deck of cards and it's designed to be something that if they'll just give it six seconds, that's long enough. We've designed every card to have enough fascinating information so that they'll get sucked in and 
then by the time they're done looking at half the cards, they're like, okay, now you don't seem crazy anymore. <laughs> so that's, that's the function of the cards. Um, anyway, I'm not sure. Did I answer your question? You did. What I got on my you site? Did. You it's did. like a bunch of <laughs> crazy did. stuff. Everybody go check out Paul's stuff. Um, subscribe to his podcast. Subscribe to his YouTube page as well. Um, if you just search for Paul Wheaton um, and YouTube, you'll find his YouTube channel. Uh, definitely subscribe to his podcast. Give him a review. His podcast is fucking awesome. Um, even even if you know nothing about permaculture and you listen to it, you can. It's really easy to catch up. And there's some cool references too to check out cool shit like. Uh, uh, Alone in the Wilderness, which uh, we could have a whole podcast on because it's, it was such a cool documentary. But I especially like Paul's last episode of his commentary of it. So watch it and listen to that episode. Um, and if people want to contact you, how could they reach out to you, Paul? The forums are the best. I've got so many people who want my personal time and I just I can't do that anymore. You're, yeah, you're a busy and- guy. And so the great thing about the forums is, is that if you ask a question of the forums, almost, you know, there'll, there'll be a hundred people who will, you know, see your question and answer your question and tell you, Paul will say this, but we've got our 48 hour rule at the forums. So like, if you don't get an excellent answer for your question within 48 hours, you can go to the tinkering forum and say, I hereby invoke the 48 hour rule. And either I will answer it myself or, or we will find an expert that's better than me on that topic and, and get them to answer it. But I think we've had awesome results with the 48-hour rule. That's awesome, awesome. Well, everybody, thank you again for, uh, for listening. And, Paul, thank you so much for your time. Um, and uh, listen, ho- hopefully we can get Paul on again soon. And uh, thank you, guys, and please rate, review, and subscribe. Listen. Oh,